Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Genesis chapter 22, verse 8. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Offscript, the podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on that Sunday sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. We are wrapping up today our Back to School sermon series. This is the fourth week we've been talking about Abraham and Sarah. I preached this one on my least favorite text in the canon. Oh, yeah. But you did a great job. Thank you. Are yeah. you just saying that because we're friends and colleagues? Yeah. No, actually it was. <laughs> It was good because I was like, how's he going to do this? Um, so no. And I liked how you, I feel like you were very, um, precise. I don't know what the word is. Like you didn't fill a lot of stuff in it. You just were like, okay, I'm going to preach it. And you had good points. And cause I feel like sometimes with these difficult passages, the <laughs> pastors were like, well, let me put this other stuff yeah. so I can like, R- right the clock. <laughs> yeah. And no, it was like, all right, here it is. You didn't try to sugarcoat it or cover it up. It was great. Yeah. Well, I felt like. I just needed to own how I felt about it. Not, and, and the other thing I wanted to do in the sermon was acknowledge that not a, like some people might be fine with the whole concept of killing their kid. Well, yeah. at times, I mean, you're a parent. <laughs> I no. never, never think like, oh my gosh, this kid is so It rolled off your tongue really quickly. <laughs> First thought, that's fine. No, the whole idea that, that God would, would test Abraham in this way with a sacrifice of his son, like that. And I know that, We'll get into it. Sure. But there, if that works for people, great. Long tradition of that. Mm-hmm. My experience, though, is it's more helpful to help people think about it in a different way for the texts that are really just hard. Yeah. So that's what I tried to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate with a lot of text, almost probably almost every time you preach or pretty you know, pretty frequently, you're very good at saying if this works for you mm. or if this is how you're approaching it, that's great. So I feel like you give the permission to people to read However, it speaks to them is is good. So I think there's a lot of freedom. Yeah, thanks. That. I'm at this. I, I think that's a very Methodist way to approach it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a a big tent and a lot of ways to interpret scripture, and we do think it needs to be interpreted. Yeah, <laughs> and yep. not everybody looks at it the same way. So I mean, so if anybody did not listen to the sermon, we're talking about the what my uh, study Bible calls the command to sacrifice Isaac. So God shows up one day and says, "Hey." <laughs> Just gets right into it. Mm-hmm. Take your son, your only son, the only son you have, the one who you really, really love, and take him over to Mount Moriah and make him a burnt offering. Yep. <laughs> and my point in the sermon was there's not even any follow up questions. Like, yeah. I Abraham's know. not like, um, say when what you now? say burnt offering, do you mean like we're going to cook a lamb? Like, what? Are we going to do s'mores? What's going yeah, on? Right. So, no, he just says, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Off we go. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Um, okay, so this is troubling, but let's go ahead. What are some other troubling passages in the Bible for so, you? Yeah. So, um, you know, this one hits home for me because I'm a father of boys. Mm-hmm. And one one thing that ended up on the cutting room floor is, you know, I waited a while to have kids. I was 36 when Max was born, so I'm not like Abraham old. But I was at a stage in my life where I really, really wanted kids and was ready to go all in on the parent thing. And uh, so, I don't know, it's just... It's always hit ho- close to home. Mm-hmm. Also, though, distinctly with this passage, I can remember uh, sitting in ch- in church and when it would come up in the lectionary thinking, whoa, like sleeping with one eye open <laughs> around, you know, dad or whatever. Like, I know. 
uh, I don't know. Just the whole con the whole concept is creepy. Yeah. But that wasn't your question. Your question was what the other um, passages. So the the one that always jumps out to me, the whole book of Judges is challenging. Mm -hmm. But there's um, the story of uh, a guy named he's got a funny name Jephthah. Okay. J e p h t h a h. Say that several times. Back. Right. So um, basically, that story goes. Uh, he says, "God, if you grant me this victory, then I promise you that the next thing that walks in my door, I'll kill it." Oh yeah. Again, follow-up questions would have been good. <laughs> right. Unless. But God says, okay, deal. And his daughter's the next one who walks in. Mm. And there's this whole, it's super poignant. Like it's all, it's, it's, it's a terrible story. How did that make it? How did somebody not say, you know what? This probably needs to come out. <laughs> right. So that's up there. Um, the stuff where, uh, in the gospels, not to let, shouldn't let Jesus off the hook here because mm -hmm. he says some challenging stuff. Like, yeah. um, uh, don't bury your parents. Right. Well, yeah. Dead, bury the dead. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> significant passages of Revelation, which is a book that I love. Um, mm -hmm. Also, you know, challenging. So there's plenty of stuff in the canon uh, that is challenging. The book of Job I alluded to, basically that the whole premise of that book is that Job loses a bet between the devil and God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, they, well, wow, there's a whole lot of unpacking that needs to happen there. Right. So, um, you know, every once in a while, the Bible throws this kind of stuff at us. You know, most of it, it I think is faith forming and life giving. And then there's some stuff that reminds us that it's a, it's a product of human hands, even though it's inspired. So yeah. Okay. How about you? What's on your list? I don't know if I have anything like, well, some of the ones that you talked about what Jesus said, those are, those are hard. Um, basically, cause it happens a lot. Anytime like the women or daughters are given up, like, okay, you can just be with my, daughters let me offer them up to all of you people i won't you know um actually the worst part of the story of sodom and gomorrah by the yeah way. I yeah know, i was gonna say specifically shows up, yeah. yeah they're like here just take the daughters okay cool like, what are you what are you doing yeah um anytime like when there's like children yeah like sacrifice or there's some weird passages about boiling and all, all kinds of weird stuff huh. um and then my husband loves this story, but is it, um, is it Elijah when the bears attack uh, Yeah. about when they tease him about being bald and then the bears come and <laughs> eat the children. Scott loves that cause he's going bald. So he tells people that, um, but it's a little disturbing. Who's Scott? Oh, my husband. So yeah, he's Excellent. very, he's very sensitive about his, his hair growth or lack thereof, I guess. Um, does he listen to off script? No, I don't think so. So. That's You're fine. banking on it. <laughs> yeah. He makes fun of himself. It's fine. <laughs> I know he's fine. Um, so yeah, just, just the treatment, usually of children or women, I have a, I have a hard time with in the yeah, Bible. Yeah, there's a fair amount of- There's a fair amount. That that's challenging. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, if you're ever bored, just Google disturbing stories in the Bible and mm. you'll find <laughs> quite a few. Huh. I, I love how they're like, scary Bible stories for your kids. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to read those to my kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> want them to actually like the Bible and church. But okay. So you say in the beginning that you don't think of God as a testing God, mm -hmm. but you acknowledge that probably a lot of people kind of do, or maybe that's their way of thinking through some things. So mm -hmm. what is a way that you can help maybe reframe that? Because maybe there's more to it than maybe God testing. I don't know. Is there a way to kind of talk to someone about that? I would say that, um, so here's the way I put it in the sermon. If the idea of, of a testing God has some meaning in your life, 
like a lot of this is the way it shows up a lot of times. If someone's gone through a very difficult trial, like a, a difficult time in their life, mm-hmm. a challenge or whatever, there are there are times when that can be interpreted as it shows up as like pop theology phrases. Mm-hmm. So God won't take you, God won't bring you to it unless God will get you through it. Yeah, that kind of thing. God won't give you more than you can handle. Mm-hmm. That, the implication there is that this yeah. is kind of right. Um, and I. The problem with those kind of statements is that it, we oftentimes or people oftentimes say that without thinking through the logical conclusion of that mm-hmm. idea. I mean, I, if someone sincerely believed that and it helped them in their own circumstance, then I don't feel as a pastor, it's my job to talk them out of that. Okay. Um, if someone has been told that <laughs> and it really shakes their idea of God, then that's a whole, mm-hmm. then that's a whole separate conversation. That's, yeah. that's how unpacking these theological ideas to deconstruct something that has actually been harmful for someone, I think is important. So I'm the chair of the Board of Ordained Ministry. I've been doing that work for a long time. And um, people will often comment about how rigorous and difficult the process is. And my retort to that, if I'm feeling sassy or impatient or whatever, <laughs> is that it's got to be hard because the job is hard. Mm-hmm. Like the, getting straight your theology is a fundamental prerequisite to being a pastor mm-hmm. because you cannot help people through spiritual crises unless you are ultra clear <laughs> on what you believe, why you believe it and how that, how you can help people, uh, rethink something they've been told that's been harmful. Yeah. And that's why just taking, this is the, I talk about Roy Heller in the sermon, you know, Roy's point was that you can't just ignore the stuff in the Bible you don't like. Because that is everyone's inclination. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that is way easier than actually wrestling with it and coming up with an interpretation that makes sense for you, why it's in the Bible. Because you know, the Bible is ultimately about our relationship with God, our relationship um, with each other, um, how God, how we, how we live our, um, like the way, the way the Articles of Religion put it, puts it is uh it contains all things necessary for salvation which means how how, do, how am i in a right relationship with god and how like what's my place in the world and all that kind of all those kind of questions and that means we get all of it the stuff we love and the stuff we don't and so i think it's just better to keep wrestling with it than to walk away from it yeah which was roy's point mm-hmm. which was a beautiful point made me cry sure made me cry the first time i heard him say it <laughs> makes me cry most of the time i retell that story yeah I cried a lot in his class. He's sure. awesome. He just has so much passion yeah. and excitement. It's like he's telling the story for like the very first time. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Every it's, time. He is a man who absolutely loves what he does. And um, that comes through very clear. Mm-hmm. I, just, I love that guy. Yeah. So I was looking at the whole testing God. I feel like sometimes that's where it teeters into where people are like, well, I know God brought this hard thing for me to test me. And it's like, uh, that's where it gets a little murky for me where people are like, oh, I know God's causing this. And so that's why I, I, I look at this story as, or trying to reframe the whole question of God testing me, testing me is like, does God expect us to do hard things? Yes. Is God like, do we need to be able to, are we, are we going to be willing to give up things or, I mean, I hate to use the word sacrifice, but, um, following, following God is, is demanding. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I try to reframe people in that vein a little bit rather than, well, God's just testing you. I don't know. It kind of gives me, I don't know. Yeah. Give I mean, me. the other context there is how big of a deal is it and how long do you have to talk? 
Yeah. Right. God, like if God's testing you by um, your car broke down and you got to deal with something different today and mm-hmm. I've got two minutes with you. Okay. Black well, probably let that go. Okay. <laughs> if your child's been diagnosed with an awful disease mm-hmm. and we have a pastoral relationship, like we have a relationship where I'm your pastor and that's the way you're making sense of it. We yeah. probably should talk about that because um, at some point, my own personal belief on this is at some point that theology breaks down. Yep. Yeah. And that's when people lose their faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the notion that God would do such a thing. Yeah. If the outcome goes to, you know, the, the one we don't want. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So in this story, it seems from the text that Abraham just goes with Isaac immediately. We kind of talked about this, that Abraham didn't ask any clarifying questions is like, okay, that sounds good. (laughs) Whatever you want, boss. Um, Do you feel like that kind of sets a model for us in our relationship with God? Do you think some people read that story and say, well, I I don't need to push back or ask questions. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think about that scene? Uh, So what I said about the sermon was that Abraham doesn't come off looking very good. Yeah. No, he doesn't. Certainly not to Sarah. Certainly not to Isaac. (laughs) Mm Mm-mm. Right. So, um, no, I don't think that's a real model at all. And so that's why for me, I had to reinterpret it the way that it, that I end up reinterpreting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I mean, what I have to do with that text is assume that Abraham's like, okay. Like in his head saying, all right. Okay. Crossing his fingers. (laughs) Well, no, I'm not farther than that. Like Abraham in his head thinks there's no way he's going to ask me to really do this. Okay. I'll go along. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll wait until I hear something different. Mm -hmm. That's the only way, that's the only way that I can read Abraham in a sympathetic way in the story. Okay. I was just curious if people, if, if you've ever heard people say, well, I shouldn't ask questions of God or I I am enough of a Methodist to assume that we can always ask questions. Yeah. I just wonder, I feel like some people probably could read this and think, oh, you just do it. You just do whatever. And I don't know. I, think. I don't like that way. I don't, I don't either. I don't like that way of reading the Bible. That's why wrestling and all that is so good for our, our development. Yeah. Did you watch The West Wing? Uh, yes, off and on. I don't know if I've seen in you know in the complete order and all of that, but wow. I know. Ashley, how about you? Okay, so I'm gonna overlook that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Okay. You got to go back and watch it. Okay. It's a little dated now, probably, but it is. It's. It remi- it makes so you good. long for a better time. Yeah, well, I know. I did watch it. A l- yeah, I did watch it again a little bit like a few years ago, and I was like, "Oh, this is making me more depressed." Because it was like, uh, yeah. so there are two episodes that are, to my in my mind, the best. One is the Supremes. Okay, you remember that? One? That's about the Supreme Court. It's awesome. Okay, gets to the point that we actually can agree to disagree. We can actually have different different viewpoints and actually come to a better. It's fantastic watch it the other one is two cathedrals and actually to make that one make sense you probably need to watch the one right before it. and i can't remember what the one right before it's called but uh jack soper who i also referenced in the, yeah. in the sermon uh, i texted him on saturday and said hey i'm shout out tomorrow be <laughs> watching the, he did a sermon on this one where he talked about uh like being angry in the presence of god is actually a very faithful thing to be hmm. and um in my opinion asking questions of god is a very faithful thing to do I just wish Abraham does it at Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Like a chapter, two chapters before, I think it's chapter 19, I think yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah. So three chapters before. Um, he asks a whole lot of questions about Sodom and Gomorrah, but then 
I don't know. Maybe he thought he'd used up all his questions. On maybe. I don't know. So yeah. He doesn't ask any questions about this thing with Isaac. But yeah, I, I think that um, God, the whole point of free will is that God does not create automatons, right? Mm-hmm. That God <laughs> creates us for a relationship with one another. And um, God, God can handle our anger. God can handle our questions. God's good. Yeah. Yeah, it is frustrating that I feel like Abraham, he doesn't ask questions or do things when you want him to. Mm-hmm. And then random thing, he just either like lies just come off of his, you know, yeah. he's like, oh yeah, she's my sister or whatever. Yeah. And then other times you're like, this isn't your moment. <laughs> like, I don't know. But God stays with him. Yeah. And like we talked about last week, Sarah didn't come across great in the whole thing with Hagar, Mm-mm. but God doesn't give up on her either. That's yeah. actually incredibly helpful. Yeah. Makes me want to know this God more, I think is the way you put it in yep. your sermon, which yep. is a very nice way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Talk about the literary pattern you pointed out in the text. Yeah. So when I say that I wrestled with this text for 20 years, I mean it. Like I, I had never, I never had any intention of ever preaching a sermon on this text. John Holbert, who's also a professor at uh, Perkins, um, can't remember. I can't, he, he, his, the point of one of his sermons was I'm done with this text. Never preached another sermon on this text. I can't. I can't do it anymore. Which I thought was pretty powerful. But um, then I felt like we couldn't avoid it. If we're going to talk about how it's complicated with Abraham and Sarah, <laughs> right? So we put it in the um, series. Probably should have given it to you, <laughs> but that would have been would have been made sense for women's ministries, All right? I mean, so yeah. I had to take it. So it was this week that I that I found that pattern, like, oh. or last week, okay, when I was preparing. Which totally changed my opinion about it. Like it gave me, this is the way the Holy Spirit works. Like you can't, you can't, if I had just ignored it, I never would have come to get any peace with this story. And, but now that I've actually wrestled with it some, so the pattern is that it's a threefold pattern in um, chapter 22. And there's a method of, of uh, hermeneutics is a fancy word, um, like interpretation of the Bible, where uh, you look at the, look at it as a literary piece. And you do this a lot with the Psalms. Um, you do it with a lot of other passages. Like if there's there's something called an inclusio that if an author makes a point at the beginning of a passage, oftentimes that point will repeat. And if so, then that's a big deal. Here, it's a it's a pattern that repeats three times where Abraham is summoned three times, first by God, then by Isaac, then by the angel. And all three times he, he responds the same way. Here mm-hmm. I am, which is kind of the iconic response to God. And then each of those three times, the, the asker, the summoner uh, expects something from him. So God sends him on this test. Isaac asks a question like uh, <laughs> the lamb question mark. <laughs> and then the angel releases him from the test. And the only break in that pattern is verse eight, which I read at the beginning of the podcast, which to me is the, the, the verse that redeems this passage for me where Abraham says, God will provide the lamb. <laughs> the fact that, it's such a clear pattern that's only broken by that one verse draws your attention probably, uh, intuitively, if you're not doing over literary analysis, like just as a reader, you'll read that and it'll stand out to you for maybe a reason you don't entirely know. But if you do the deep dive literary on the, with literary analysis, um, it becomes clear and like that to me makes all the difference. And it, it's a callback to when they leave, when they leave the servants, to walk on to finish the walk to Mount Moriah. Let's not even talk about how long they walked, by the way. And then it was just Abraham and Isaac and the wood and the fire and the knife. I mean, yep. really tense. It's a really vividly told story. But he says, 
Abraham says, we're going to go over there. We're going to worship and we will come back. Mm-hmm. It's an unnecessary thing to say, we will come back. Okay. Right? You don't have like, of course you're going to come back. We're, we'll, so, but the, the fact that he used the first person plural pronoun mm-hmm. and the fact that he said, God will provide means to me that he did. He knew God was going to let him off the hook. Hmm. That's what I think. Okay. Now, <laughs> my industrial engineer wife, when I went over the sermon with her, said, I love that. That's really, uh, you know, she she was a fan of the sermon, which is not always the case for some years. And she said, uh, but what if he was just trying to keep Isaac calm? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, that is really dark. No, I can't believe, I can't, I can't believe that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, so. Okay. I do, I do want to talk, well, you talked about eight, but this is just kind of a, a random question, but do you think it'd be the same if, if, if he would have taken Ishmael? Well, so what do you mean by that? I saw well, that question and there's a lot of ways you can go with that question. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering if, if Abraham would have said we will come back or if he really thought I have to, if he maybe thought I I really have to sacrifice uh-huh. Ishmael. Because he screwed up? Maybe, yeah. To correct the mistake, yeah. So, okay, here, like, the Hagar and Ishmael cast a shadow of the whole rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the uh, the pattern is actually similar. So, if you read the the Hagar and Ishmael story, they're also cast out. Yeah, like they also go off into the desert, and God also makes provision. Mm-hmm. So, there's a parallelism. Okay, another word in literary analysis there. Um, but what's interesting about that is when. When God says, basically, do what Sarah said. Yeah. Abraham is anguished. Yeah, because of my son, right? Doesn't we don't it? hear any of that in the Isaac story. And I, wa- and I wonder if it's because he knows Ishmael was provided for. So if Ishmael was provided for, surely Isaac would be provided for. Okay. I, I mean, maybe, maybe you don't get the emotional response because God has already proven trustworthy okay. with his kids. Now, I didn't have time to get into all that in the yeah. sermon. It was, it was a big Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> there was lots going on. It was awesome. It was music Sunday. And so I, I had to shorten the sermon a little bit. I considered making that connection, but there's what, there's wasn't enough time. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. I just thought of that when I was writing questions. Um, all right. So what's a great th- question though? Yeah. I was just curious. There's anything different. It was a little dark. It is a little dark, but, but so what do you think Abraham and Isaac talked about on the walk back? <laughs> Any ideas? <laughs> I had the same question. <laughs> I had the same question. I just wondered, like, how would you even process that? And then I wondered if this trauma ever shows up between, like, in their relationship and the rest of, like... There's not much of a relationship after this. Yeah. I mean, the story wraps up pretty quickly after mm-hmm. this. Um, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot between the lines there, mm-hmm. for sure. I think some of that depends on how old Isaac is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, when you said 37, I was like, that's like me. <laughs> As old as 37. Right? Old as 37. And here's the here's the interesting thing about that that ended up on the cutting room floor. So in – like to say in the rabbinic tradition means that – so there's this thing in Jewish tradition called the Midrash where they read into the text. Like mm-hmm. they add stuff to the text that's not really in the text to help yeah. make sense of it, which is awesome. Yeah, it's super fun. That's not part of our tradition, but it's awesome. So to say in the rabbinic tradition really means, according to some rabbis, Sarah was so distraught when she found out that Abraham had gone – off to sacrifice their son that mm-hmm. she died of grief really and she dies when isaac's 37 huh so that's how they okay number. interesting but in all the art isaac's younger yeah <laughs> and i i really did want to use some kind of classic images of this 
and it was all too violent. I mean, painters are very good <laughs> at yep. depicting emotion, and I thought it was it would be too visually disturbing, so we didn't put them on the yeah. screen. Yeah, okay. So no topics of what they talked about, like, what, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> Weather's nice. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, that was weird, Dad. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh, the walk back would be way more awkward than the walk to, yeah. for sure. <laughs> so we got to like talk about what just happened or. And I did make the point that uh, it was kind of a throwaway remark that like, who knows how many years of therapy they're going to have to have mm-hmm. to process the trauma. And I, I said it because I wanted to lighten the mood, but I also don't want to minimize like. Emotional trauma is a real thing, and you really right. do need to go to therapy. They obviously have that; it's anachronistic. Yeah. Okay. So what? So what? Uh, so this is chapter twenty-two. What? What happens after this story? Like chapter twenty, like twenty-three, um, twenty-four. Anything significant? See. So the next chapter twenty-three, Sarah lived one hundred twenty-seven years. This was the length of Sarah's life. Okay. So it, she does die right after. Yeah. The story, and then there's some like it just basically kind of wraps up the Abraham cycle. Okay. Not a whole lot. Yeah. So I mean, then Isaac starts his own story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So in your opinion, so last week, you know, I struggled with the Sarah story. Yeah. So do you feel like Abraham is still someone to look up to and why or why not? Yeah, I do for sure. I think both of these characters, like I, I guess what, I guess the way I would answer that question is that I find it hopeful that these monumentally important characters are so complicated because I really do feel like that's the way humanity is. And, um, while their story is very dramatic and they do like they go big on their mistakes, <laughs> still God is faithful to the promise at the very beginning of our salvation history, which sets up the model then, in my opinion, for the rest of our salvation history, which is that God really does never give up, give up like never gives up on us. Mm-hmm. The story of the flood, God says, you know what? I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm gonna stick with you. <laughs> and then the rest of the Bible really is just one example after another of, of God, um, not just remaining faithful to, uh, flawed people, but redeeming mistakes and getting us back on the right path. And, um, for all of his flaws, Abraham is incredibly faithful. And, um, I think that's, that's absolutely something to look up to. Okay. All right. Any other lessons or things you, uh, take away from this story that you want to tell people? Yeah, I mean, the punchline for me was that uh, that Abraham trusted enough in the goodness of God to know like, deep in his soul that he would never demand this thing that he's asking for. Raises complicated questions about how God works, right? But that's a you know, well, that's a story for another day. For me, it's about Abraham's commitment to the to the idea of God's goodness. Okay, that's how I have. <laughs> that's the way I have to read this story be able to read it okay but honestly I, I wasn't crazy about the fact that my sons were hearing me read this story honestly i mean i, I just think because i remember being a kid that age hearing the story and thinking good lord can i trust my dad yeah <laughs> which is not the point of the story at all no of course but the image is just so vividly portrayed yeah <laughs> somebody's commenting online uh so there's a part of the story where i quote my dear friend and mentor, Jack Soper, so the sermon he preached on this a long time ago, um, where Abraham, you know, he raises the knife. It's very, it's very, again, vividly portrayed. Raises his knife to, I'm going to read it. What does it say? 
Yeah. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. I mean, that sentence is really brutal. And so Jack said, I'm sure that he would have left the knife in the air forever. Mm-hmm. If that's what it took, waiting for the angel to intervene. <laughs> and apparently online for someone at that moment, her screen froze. Oh, no. <laughs> and didn't come back. Oh, and she's near the rest of the sermon. She's like, oh, no. Like that's, it was very dramatic. The good news of Jesus Christ, just you holding this knife. It's great. He didn't have a real knife in service just for everyone. And so then the angel intervenes. Yeah. And what I added in the reading was Abraham saying, it's about time. Right. <laughs> Which I wish was in there. Yeah. I'm sure some translation. <laughs> um, okay. So you're teaching on Genesis this fall. Yeah. So why should people take that class? Sounds like a challenge. What huh? do you think? Well, I think Genesis, I mean, from the get go kind of has, has some difficult stories and some pretty found out, you know, and I think it's a good book, um, because I feel like there's so much reference later, like in the new Testament. So I think it's just a great book to, um, everyone has good intentions to read through the Bible. So everyone starts with Genesis, but I feel like people never even make it through Genesis. So maybe (laughs) where they fall off after, oh gosh, like New Year's resolutions end on day four or whatever. Right. They can get through Cain and Abel. Yeah. <laughs> Tower of Babel. People love the drama. Yeah. They love the drama. It's when you get to like, oh, is it numbers or judges or I can't remember. Where you oh, get so you get them all the way through Genesis. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying You're to remember optimist. when Kristen quit. She talks about a lot when she quits. It's the begets them, begets mm. that, begets them, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Like, There's some of that in Genesis. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's a lot of the lists. I think the lists knock people out. <laughs> yeah. You can skip those. You can skim those. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm doing 10 weeks on Genesis. And uh, in, when I did the Bible in 50, I did Genesis in one day, which is in an hour. I mean, just kind of doing the highlights. Yeah. So this will give us a chance to – I mean, there there's a, there's a lot of really good stuff in Genesis. So it starts with the prehistory, which goes through chapter 11. And then you get the Abraham cycle, which is 12 through 25. But then I, even – and that's, that's only halfway through the book because then you get – um, all the stuff with Jacob, who's a nut, <laughs> and then the whole Joseph cycle, which is amazing. Yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff there. And so in 10 weeks, it's not like we're going to be, it's not too much time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you did 20 weeks on Genesis, it might get a little, be a little bit, bit of a drag, but it's, it'll be a, a good pace, but enough time to get into some detail. So, yeah. and I'm going to do the same thing. So the new time on Sundays is 3.30 because that matches the choir, the children's and youth choir rehearsal. Um, and then I'm going to teach a men's Bible study, same content, on Tuesdays at 6.30. Great. So yeah. you've got two opportunities. Two chances. Well, when you talk about Joseph, will you sing any songs from Joseph and Macy Tentacler <laughs> Dreamcoat? Will you dress up like Joseph? <laughs> What's going to happen those weeks? What's one of the songs? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I was... Just think of go 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 Joseph. You know oh, <laughs> is that from Technical Dream Cross? Yeah, yeah. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, I might then. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a good one. Anyway, my husband hates that musical. He's like, "What's going on?" There's like country music, and then there's <laughs> Elvis, and then like he could not follow it. He was like, "I don't understand it." I'm like, "It's fun." <laughs> you know, they throw them in a well. They abandon, they leave them to die. Yeah, that's right. And then there's a famine. You know, and then there's a famine. White stuff. Light family. It's good family systems. Um, okay. So it actually very, is very good family systems. It is. <laughs> okay. So do you think you'll preach on this text again? That's a great question. I don't think so. Okay. I think I've done my pastorly duty. There you go. And if I do, I'll just do the same sermon. There you go. <laughs> 
how it works. I mean, um, there's so much good stuff in the Bible. There's no need. There's no. there's plenty of stories I want to repeat. Mm-hmm. And when you when you break it down, you know, so like this year I'm gonna preach uh, I think 41 times or something. So I've got I'm 50 more. I got 22 years. So 22 times 40 is how many? 800. 22 times 40. 880. Yeah, that's a lot. Is it that many? Oh gosh, that's a lot more than I thought. I guess so. But so 800. Say, let's say there's 800 more sermons that I preach till I retire. Yeah. A lot of passages. Yeah. A lot of passages. That's a lot of preaching. Does that make you sad or intimidated? Because I no, like, that's awesome. Oh there's so gosh. much to cover. So speaking of which, next sermon series is what? Uh, why church? Why church? Yeah. So in the in the spring, we talked about why Christianity, basically. We've mm-hmm. talked about faith matters. So yeah. we're now we're narrowing it down to like why be part. Of, so okay, you're a Christian, great. You believe in Jesus. Why do you? Why does the local church matter? Mm-hmm. So we're doing four weeks on that. I'm doing three of them. Stephanie's doing one because mm-hmm. you're out of town one weekend. I am out of town one week, and I'm going to Camp Bible with the kids. So we're talking about prayer. We're talking about um, second week is like like growing in our faith, religious education, kind of mm-hmm. right. That's your yeah area. The twelfth, yep. Uh, and then serving others. Yep. And then fellowship. And we're kicking off the end of September with a big fair. <laughs> big a big church fair a on the big, North Lawn. Giant church fair. There will be funnel cakes. <laughs> yeah. Funnel I cakes. still want to do some sort of bud or sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. I Somehow. think that that should be one of the things to visit is you sculpting butter. I watched a YouTube video on it just to see how to do you it. You are qualified because you come from a rectangle state. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do Don Underwood to mustache. That's what I'm going to do. In butter? Yeah. Because <laughs> don't you just have to like deep freeze the butter and yeah. then stack it in the well, they're like They're like, mold it in a room that's like 30 degrees. I'm like, <laughs> that's going to be rough in Texas. But that's going to be a high air conditioner bill for you. Yeah. So we'll figure it out. So there's all right, funnel cakes, food, other food. Mm-hmm. The pumpkins will be here. Pumpkins. Yep. So I'm looking forward to this next year. Lots of family games. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. It's Places to sit, food. And that culminates our eight weeks of awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this coming week, we are uh, talking about care ministries, focusing particularly on prayer. Mm-hmm. It's also Labor Day weekend. So, All right, that's a wrap. We appreciate it, y'all. Thanks for being with us for another episode, and we will talk to you again next week. God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode off script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.